Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. As Walt and I come to the microphones today, we want to tell you that we have faced some trials over the past few weeks. Um, We really should understand that when we take on a passage of God's Word, um, that that's going to happen in our lives. Satan's not happy with that, right? But we are so thankful for the opening verses in the book of James. Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters. And we also cling to these words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, we've talked about the promised reward for the one who perseveres under trial from James verse 12. This person is blessed and will receive the crown of life because this is the Lord's promise to those who love him. You might remember Abraham in Genesis 22 and the test of his willingness to offer Isaac up to the Lord. He persevered. He passed God's test and received God's promise. God said to him, now I know that you fear God. You know, we want the characteristics of faith and endurance in our life, but we don't really like the process, right? Let endurance have its perfect result, James says, so that you may be mature, complete, lacking in nothing. And we truly desire to be approved by God. We want to receive the reward of the crown of life. Well, as we continue working our way through chapter one in James, he is now going to return to that theme of testing. And, you know, Brenda, even as um, as we talk about this returning to this theme and, and kind of the reality of what that's meant over the last couple of, of weeks, it reminds me of an old expression, um, no pain, no gain. And, and in the physical fitness realm, um, I might say that I want a strong body and a healthy heart, but I still struggle with the motivation to endure the pain of exercises. Yeah, planks. I hate planks. Um, <laughs> and if you don't know what planks are, you can Google them, and they're not, they're not of you the Lord. You need to hold a plank at least for a minute. <laughs> and, 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 you know, but that's what testing does um, in both the physical and the spiritual realm. James continues in this passage and says there's a purpose, there's a reason. You need God's perspective I definitely need God's perspective in the midst of the last couple of weeks. As we continue in verse 13 of James 1, when tempted, no one should say, God's tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and they're enticed. You know, maybe a better translation than God cannot be tempted by evil is, um, you ought not be, God should not be put to the test by sinful people or by Satan. 
And, and I love that, and that perspective really um, is played out in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 4 when Jesus is in the wilderness, the Judean wilderness, and he, he's tempted by Satan, and he responds with this. It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He quotes Deuteronomy 6.16, which says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And there, in this test, Jesus is being tempted and, and he's saying, God's word has clearly told you in the midst of this, don't accept this from Satan. You've got to persevere. And something that's interesting, and we've talked about this, this Greek word that in verse 2 is translated trials, here in verse 13 is translated temptation, but it's also translated as test. And the difference in how we translate it is, where is that coming from? Verse 14 says, um, it's coming from an evil desire within us. That's what creates the, the test and moves it into a temptation. Because we struggle with the desire for, and here, <laughs> fill in the blank. I mean, Right, so there are a lot of them, There's right? a lot of them. We, the quick ones, we desire for power or for money or for fame. Um, we desire for more, newer, fancier things, cars, clothes, you name it, houses, Um. And first, our thoughts are, are, are enticed by these evil desires. And then, if we're not careful, we begin to live out our thoughts into our actions. Um, this desire is what the Jews called the evil impulse in people, or what psychologists call the drives, what drives a person. Or what the Bible calls, and Paul in, verse, in Romans chapter 7 makes it very clear, these desires are called sin. Yeah. And, you know, as we've worked through these verses for today's podcast, um, I've been reminded of Genesis 4, 6, and 7. The Lord came to Cain. Yeah. Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Unfortunately, Cain entertained the desire and gave in to sin. Cain was tempted and he failed the test when he lured his brother Abel out into the field and he killed him. And, and I can't hear that phrase, sin is crouching at your door, and not think about First Peter 5, 8, where we read, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour if you don't master the desire for sin sin will devour you and and that's satan goal he wants us to trip up to fail to fall and to be destroyed mm-hmm. he he is the source of the sin crouching at the door yeah and, it, and when we continue into verse five here in james he says then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin sin in this um, passage from Genesis 4 with Cain paints that very clearly for us. Yeah. That desires there, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Um, and that is a regression. The steps are very clear. Desire to sin, sin will lead to death, ultimately. We are not getting better. Rather, we regress when we give way to desire in our life, and then we walk into sin. 
You know, other examples that we find in the Bible would include looking at Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 3. Um, also consider King David in his sin of adultery with Bathsheba in Second Samuel chapter 11. Those give us examples of how this plays out for us as sinful human beings. Our sinful action sow seeds that will lead to death, and it will spread like an ugly plague. But James calls us back, and he wants our full attention. In verse 16, he says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. You know, he refers to his audience in terms of endearment. He calls us brothers and sisters, and he also stated that back in verse 2 in chapter 1, if you recall. He's not scowling as he pens these words, but rather writes with a passion, for he loves, he just loves the people he's writing, and he knows that they are facing great trials, problems, and struggles He does not want them to yield to the desire and fall into sin because our sin will give birth to death. And Brenda, even as you say that, that's that's so true. But it's not like James is on the sidelines and he's living in this ivory castle and he's talking down to these people and saying, no, you're going through trials. That must be really tough. He's engaged in the same things that are going on with them. And we know that he's in the midst of it. From his the historian Josephus, we learn that James was martyred for his faith by Jewish religious leaders probably in 62 AD. And so James was being pursued. He was going through really difficult times. But he was a leader and of he's, the people. He's a leader. Church. Exactly. And, and he is calling his readers back. James will now put some words of encouragement in front of them, and he gives us hope in the midst of our trials and testing. And verse 17 says this, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It's coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, of the Father of lights, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And just as we try to break down and understand what's going on in this verse, it talks about every good gift. And, and of course, one of the good gifts that God gives, maybe the greatest gift that he could ever give, is the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. But in the context, the immediate context of this passage, um, he's saying that, that even trials and testing, that is a good gift. And it's interesting because even as he gives this phrase, that the good gift, it, first it focuses in on the first phrase, every good gift focuses in on who's giving the gift. It, it's good because he's good. And then the second phrase, every perfect gift, it's a little bit different translation. This focuses more on us receiving, on us receiving that it's a good gift given from God, and, and we, we have a perfect quality of whatever God gives us. And our perspective needs to be this. <laughs> My perspective needs to be this. Um, as a child of God, we can have confidence that what comes into our life is a good gift, 
and part of God's process of conforming us to the image of Christ. That doesn't mean it's going to be an easy gift. That doesn't mean that it's always going to be pleasant and joyful. It means that it's a good gift with a good purpose. And it comes from our Heavenly Father, God Almighty, who according to Psalm 2, is from above. He's enthroned in the heavenlies. Also in Isaiah 6, he is high and lifted up. He is holy, holy, holy. And the train of of his majesty, it just goes through the whole temple. But then I love this last phrase. He is the father of lights. He's the one who created all the lights in the heavens. And, And we need to remember that he also is light. He provides us with his written word, which provides a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That theme of light and the father of lights is so woven into scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. And even as I was thinking about this father of lights, um, I remember an old hymn that cites James 1.17, and it says this, There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou, God, changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. God has a purpose in all that he does. He's a faithful father of lights. And in Isaiah fifty-five eleven, God reminds us, my word that goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire, and it will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And I love that from Isaiah. Um, I, I'm sorry. Whenever we talk about Isaiah, I just think of being in the Judean wilderness and how powerful that book is there. And I think of God's word. It will not return empty. It will accomplish his purpose. And that takes me over to Hebrews 4.12. God's word is living because it imparts life. His word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It endures, his word endures because the God who speaks it, who is this God? He is eternal. He is faithful. He is the powerful one who keeps his promises, every single promise down to the last jot and the last tittle. And right now in this part of our study today, I want to share my head to heart application. Something that I do often, um, some friends um, in, in uh, our last church in San Antonio, um, we, we did this as women, and it, it was just a beautiful practice that when I read God's word, I'll pause and I ask myself, what attributes or qualities of God's character do I see in these verses? And so today, I've gone back and I've looked at these first 18 verses in James chapter 1 as we're working our way through chapter 1. And this is what I see. Our God is faithful and powerful. He will keep his promises. He will definitely keep them. I can trust him. You know, our God is a source of wisdom. He desires to give wisdom in generous portions. Our God is constant and stable. He is a firm foundation. He is the giver of eternal life. God is the creator of the heavenly lights. God gives good and perfect gifts. He is good. You know, God is the promise keeper. 
God is eternal, never changing, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we know his word endures forever. You know, Brenda, even as you were reading down through that head to heart and the attributes of God, in the midst of uh, this last um, month plus, um, that, that provides perspective. It calms my heart. It takes my vision off of what's going on around me, and it puts it on the Lord. And, you know, even as you share that, you know, well, I, I just have a three-by-five card. It's sitting here right in front of me. And, um, you know, it helps when we think about who God is, and we take our eyes off of who we are and what our circumstance is. But we look, and I look down through this list, and it reminds me, He holds me in his hand. He holds you and each of our listeners. He holds us in his hand. And and I, even as as you were sharing this, I, I, I was reminded of Paul in Romans 5. He writes something very similar to what James is teaching. I'm just going to read. This is Romans 5, verses 3, 4, and 5. But we can rejoice in our sufferings. And knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. Um, Let's pray together. So, Heavenly Father, Father of lights, Father in whom there is no shadow of changing, who is just um, the source of all the encouragement and all the hope that we need. Um, As we come to you today in prayer, I I confess, um, these past few weeks, this last month, has really been difficult, and it's been exhausting. Um, And it's been filled with trials and struggles and death. And for each of us, um, we need to be encouraged that you know the details of our life, that you care for us, that you love us, and that you have a purpose for every trial we experience, every difficulty. Lord, you want to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. You don't just want us to be happy all the day long. You want us to be holy as you are holy. So, Father, we ask that you would provide your perspective, that you would provide your endurance, that we day by day would just trust in you. Lord, you promise that you will provide your wisdom when we come to you in faith, so that in the midst of difficult days, we might persevere in our walk with God. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with The Awakening in America an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.